Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Thrifty Marketer Podcast. Today, we will be having an entrepreneurship masterclass with Dr. Aniruddha Mopani, founder, Mopani Ventures. Dr. Mulpani is an IVF specialist, and the founder of the angel investment firm Mulpani Ventures, which invests in early-stage startups. He founded the world's largest free patient education library, HELP, at www.healthlibrary.com. He has authored many books. His venture, Mulpani Ventures, is an active angel investment firm, investing in early-stage startups in India. Over the last few years, they have invested in 15-plus companies and have invested across sectors. They are a firm believer in frugal innovation and are looking to partner with entrepreneurs who think likewise. Let's hear it from Dr. Mopani. Uh, literally, today is a special day. I have a special guest. You know, I am super excited that he agreed to do this. Uh, I have been following him for last one, one and a half year. I got introduced to him. If you remember Dr. Jagdish Chaturvedi, he came on the show. Uh, he has written about him on LinkedIn, etc. That's how I came across uh, Dr. Malpani and uh, he's here. So I started reading his work. I started following his work. I follow him rigorously on Twitter. What I love about him, he is a no BS person. There is no fluff. He talks only straightforward knowledge about startups, entrepreneurship, life lessons, and a lot of things. So if you don't follow him, just go check out Dr. Anirudha Balpani on uh, Twitter. So before he comes on uh, and joins, for people who don't know him, let me do a quick introduction here. He is an IVF specialist and he's the founder of the angel investment firm, Malpani Ventures, which invest in early stage startups. They are behind, they are the driving force behind frugal innovation in the country. His clinic at drmalpani.com attracts patients from all over the world. He founded the world's largest free patient education library, HELP, which is available at helplibrary.com. He has authored several books, including how to get the best medical care, successful medical practice using information therapy to put patients first, Decoding Medical Golden Cook, all of which are available free at www.thebestmedicalcare.com. His passion is patient empowerment, and he believes that using information technology to deliver information therapy to patients can heal a sick healthcare system. His venture, Malpani Ventures, is an active angel investment firm investing in early stage startups in India. Over last few years, they have invested in over 15 companies and have invested across sectors. They're a firm believer in frugal innovation and are always looking for partnering with entrepreneurs who think likewise. So without further ado, let me just bring him on. Hello, doctor. Thank Hi. you so much for joining. Can you see me blushing? <laughs> I, I that or my head's going to you know with all the praise so my wife says my biggest problem is i'm willing to give gyan on anything and everything and she's not sure i really have the right to do that but you know what i mean i'm just being honest it's my opinion uh i'm not yeah. saying i have a monopoly on uh saying I'm, I'm actually quite happy for people to disagree with me because that's honestly the way i learn more so right. very, very right. uh this thing and i you know that's the one thing i love about 
uh, Twitter that uh, you get people who will disagree and you can have these interesting conversations. So, absolutely, absolutely. Because I love your tweets. You know, it's always it it. I I agree when you said there are people there there are tweets which I also don't agree with you, but then you're open for a discussion and all your tweets will make either everybody think. Okay, let me take a moment and think about it and then reply. You know, so that that's how we uh, I got introduced to you and I remember your reply to me when I said thanks for following. He said, "How can I not follow the thrifty marketer?" Yeah, I you know. <laughs> Uh, the, for me, that's like such a great word. You know, I'm a big believer in being frugal. So obviously, I'm a great believer in being thrifty. Part of the problem is people don't understand there's a difference between stingy and thrifty, and stingy and frugal. And you know, even my daughters say, "You're a chindi." You know, because my surname <laughs> is Malpani, a lot of people think I'm Cindy, and chindi rhymes with Cindy. I guess maybe I don't know, but I think that's unfair. I understand the value of money. I understand right. that money needs to be deployed. Carefully. That's all I'm trying to say. And I right. think if you can deploy money frugally, your ability to create an impact becomes far more and far bigger. Unfortunately, let's be honest, that's not a very fashionable thing to say. And part of the reason for that is obviously, you know, all the startup media, all the press releases, they're going to talk about the unicorns because these are the the press releases are going to be funded by non-frugal startups. You know, we <laughs> funded Pesayet, or you know, what do you use the money for? You create a buzz. And that's why I think that's actually sometimes I think is harmful, because right. honestly, for lots of people who don't have a clue, these are young college students who don't understand much about the startup system. The first thing is they say, "Oh, the first thing I need to do is create a business plan and raise money from an investor," and that's Absolutely. not the way things work. But it's kind of hard, and a lot of people say, "I'm a dinosaur. I'm an old fogey. I don't understand." Ye uh, unit economics hota kya hai? Profitability to baad mein dekha jayega. So many things. And I spend a lot of time telling people that I'm not allergic to money. The very right. fact of investing money means at some point I expect to make a return on it. I'm realistic. I understand that you know it won't. The mortality rate is high. The return of investment. This is money I can afford to lose without losing any sleep over. So I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, not that I wanted to this thing, but uh, even if it does, I I understand the nature of the beast. I'm a big boy. I can understand uh, these are some of the problems. All I care about is that the process be followed properly. You know, outcomes are always uncertain, and in retrospect, of course, you know we laud all these unicorns, but there's such a huge element of luck, and you can right. only identify them in hindsight. You know, you can't choose to be lucky prospectively. So, absolutely, I'm 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 grateful that you know there are people like you who are putting some kind of sense into this startup people world. You know, people don't think it's sense. Trust me. You know, <laughs> so it's like. Uh, Dr. Malpani is giving you money. There must be something wrong. Oh no! I mean, I mean, kidding apart, kidding apart. So I do have a well-defined thesis, and my thesis right. is that if you're going to follow the crowd, if you're going to invest in areas which are hot, I don't think then you necessarily have the right to win. I think then often it's a case of who has the bigger box, who is willing to put more money, and that's not something which appeals to me. My right. thesis is that if you find an entrepreneur. Who's then been able to create a team which satisfies a customer need, which customers are willing to pay money for, right. and they continue to grow that sooner or later, this area will become hot. Now, whether it'll become hot after a year, whether it'll become hot after three years, no one in the world can predict. But right. when that happens, you're at least well positioned to say, you know what? Guess, guys, I've been in this space. I have the right to win in this space. 
Right. Part of the problem is people say, yeah, yeah, Dr. Malpani, you talk big, you know, tell us some success stories. And the reality is I don't have success stories by the definition which other people use for right. defining success and for other people's definition of success. It's return of investment, you know, IRR, what did you get? How many? Oh, you haven't made 10x returns within year, uh, two years? You're a lousy investor. But what they forget is a lot of these guys who invest other people's money are not always honest. They will massage the figures. They will selectively talk about the one which does well. They will right. choose not to talk about the AT, which didn't go anywhere. You know, so many things. So I find a lot of this very amusing. So it's like, right. you know, being there, done that. I don't want other people to end up burning their fingers, very honestly. And I think, you know, it's I think it's great that startups are getting funded. But right. I think they need to be funded by the right people for the right reasons. And I think right. if that doesn't happen, if lots of so-called angel investors are going to burn their fingers because they think startup is a get-rich-quick scheme, you know, right. you back a unicorn and within four years, your money, this is a great alternative investment class. And of course, you need to diversify your portfolio and you need right. to put some money within this thing. Uh, you know, I don't think this is going to end well. And right. I'm not a cynic. I'm not a skeptic. Like I said, I'm a realist. I've done this for many, many years and I speak from experience, but right. uh, not not something that people want to hear. People love stories with sell. I'm not very good right. at that. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, we already have enough bad examples of startups taking funding and going the wrong way and doing all sorts of wrong things. So let's not get into that right now. So uh, Doc, I have, I have curated a set of 10 to 15 questions for you. So if you're ready, we can start. Sure. All right. So my first question, it's a very silly question for some of the people. I'm always searching for the right person to ask this question. You know, the, the ever ending question, the egg and chicken question kind of in startup world, which is are entrepreneurs born or made? I want to know your thoughts. Uh, I think as with anything else, the standard answer is it depends. And, you know, I don't think anyone is ever born with that. I mean, you know, you'll see little kids selling comic books and selling stuff. So obviously they have that strong entrepreneurial streak and I get that and their parents will encourage that, which doesn't necessarily mean they end up becoming entrepreneurs. I think everyone wants to do something useful with their life. And I think the great thing is if you're an Indian right now, the opportunity for you to be able to make a difference without being stuck in a standard nine to five job, which your parents and people like me were forced to do is so huge that I think, you know, it's a great opportunity. You may not make any money, I'm telling you right now. You most certainly won't. Let's be honest about that. And therefore, I measure in terms of learning on investment. And to that extent, it's fairly intangible, but I think it teaches you, uh, you know, how to take up challenges, how to lead a team, how to deal with people, how to pitch. So many skills, which are going to be so valuable the rest of your life. That I think right. it's definitely something I would strongly encourage. At least join a startup see what it's like and then at some point the right time to join is when you are in college or you're in school you're willing to be an intern and the best way to offer to be an intern is to add value so you're actually right. starting right from there you know the one thing one skill which every entrepreneur needs is the ability to sell right. i think you know if you're able to sell you can cover lots and lots of sins you know everything else actually becomes secondary let's be honest right. and if you can do that and the, you, the first thing you ought to do is sell yourself and I think if you can get that entry into uh, this thing that shows that, you know, you have, and I've been very pleasantly surprised with some of these kids, shouldn't even, maybe, you know, I'm old enough to be their, not, not grandfather yet, whatever. But, you know, I mean, some of these kids, I mean, they've done so much, they're active on social media, this thing. So they're just not like the rest of the kids 
who are kind of you know doing what everyone else is doing they understand right. that the world is a much bigger place exams will come exams will go over you'll get some marks you'll get all this stuff but they're already thinking about you know how can i do something differently i admire that amazing amazing all right so coming back to you my next question is you know uh, you 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 you're a doctor uh, an ivf specialist and now you are a, one of the leading agent investors so do you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it was it an accidental move or something i think every doctor in private practice is an entrepreneur by definition in the sense you run a small business now it's very different because it's a service business it's what what vcs pejoratively called a cash flow business i can't understand why pcs uh, vcs i use a pejorative term like cash flow you know i mean cash mm. is good right if you're generating right. cash flow you should be happy about it but it's cash flow enough that you have a great quality of life if you're doing a right. good job as a doctor but it's not cash which you can return to an investor necessarily unless you know you're ambitious and you want to set up a chain of ivf clinics which is great but comes with its own sets of problems Right. and at least in my practice i'm much more interested in putting patients first you know you think the profits will follow whatever else the, the reality is once you take an investor's money you're obliged to give it back again and therefore right. you need to start doing things which are not always in your users best interest you need to be careful about some of that stuff so to right. that extent you know like i said every doctor is an entrepreneur so i am and you know being an angel investor also you in one sense become an entrepreneur and right. i keep on reminding there's so many similarities because just like entrepreneurs need to sell to investors investors also need to sell themselves to entrepreneurs because right. the good entrepreneurs are hard you know i mean they have choices of whom to raise the money from why would they take money from me if they can get perhaps much more money from a vc you know what value am i adding so many different things i think it's interesting and it helps you to be a little more empathetic when right. you have your daily problems running your own business so to say then you understand some of the problems which entrepreneurs deal with and i think one important thing people need to understand i think the defining characteristic of a good doctor is empathy we understand the suffering and pain which patients go through i'm not infertile myself but how could i possibly be a good doctor if i couldn't be compassionate and understand what patients go through and i think to that extent i understand what entrepreneurs go through you know pesani mila kab aane wala hai you can't pay your salaries 50 different things which keep you up at night and i think the second interesting thing is what i call information therapy so we use that for patients that's why i'm such a big believer in education we educate our patients you need to educate entrepreneurs entrepreneurs right. need to educate their users we as a country need to educate the next generation you know because that's our demographic sweet spot that's our human capital and we're frittering that away and that causes me major heartburn right 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 i think that's why that's why you are your twitter timeline looks like a entrepreneurship 101 you know for people who are starting the journey they just have to read your tweets uh day after day that, we, that itself we, so we create you know so again a lot, so a lot of people say why are you so stupid don't you have anything better to do why are you tweeting all day long <laughs> you know and what is the common theme and i said i'm not selling anything to anyone i don't have to establish right. brand or anything for myself right. i think that god has been kind i'm in a fortunate position and if people like me don't speak up i don't need to worry about being politically correct i'm not answerable to anyone you know people forget this but rich people are beholden to lots of other people you can't afford right. to piss off a politician you right. can't afford to piss off a bureaucrat because you know tomorrow you won't get your license so many things and right. as a vc you can't afford to say anything politically incorrect because you know uh, ultimately you're going to co-invest with that other vc so you'll say lots of things after having had four drinks with your friends 
pretty rarely say stuff in public. And I do and I will. And lots of people disapprove. I said, boss, I've become too old to worry about people's approval and disapproval. This is what I think. And I could be wrong, but, you know, I mean, at least it's honest. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just to one more question before we move on to the entrepreneurship side of it. You know, I'm curious about your journey. You said you started off as an IBF specialist and you're now one of the leading angel investors. Can you can you take us through, you know, in a short version uh, of that journey? Okay. I mean, sure. So uh, again, like I'm still an IVF specialist. I still right. uh, see patients and I always tell anyone, you know, uh, it's the best job in the world. Uh, you get women pregnant and the husbands pay you to do that. <laughs> but, 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 you know, honestly, you change an infertile couple's life by giving them a baby and that's magical. And, you know, these kids are now growing up and so many things. So that's something and we're good. Uh, you know, when I say we use my wife and I, we're good IVF specialists. So that's something which gives us joy and we'll continue doing it. But coming back to some of what you're saying, uh, I think uh, I'm a Marwadi. So, you know, there's always this Baniya mentality. So you understand how business works. But as a doctor, you're never really taught. Quite frankly, I didn't understand what CapEx was and OPEX was and anything else at all. And fortunately, you know, one of my friends is Rakesh Jinjanwala and his office is fairly close. So I would hang around, be a fly on the wall. And then he would say all these things, none of, all of which went way over my head. But at least then you would kind of read a book and figure out and you know what's value investing how do you decide what to buy you know how does some of this stuff make sense so i think a lot of the pieces started falling together and i'm a big believer in the equity markets and let me tell you one thing the money which i invest in startups comes from the profits i make in the equity market because as a doctor the money on the professional income is so hard earned that there's just no way you're going to invest it in startups. <laughs> now, I understand that's stupid. You know, money is fungible. It's stupid to do is mental accounting and have different buckets. But, you know, like it or not, you tend to do that. So the yeah. way I look at it is this is money which I've made from the public markets. I'm not married to that money, if you know what I'm saying. Right. It's valuable. So what else can I do with that money? And I think this is something where I have an edge and I have the right to win. Yeah. I can give the money. Uh, you know, I have to walk my talk. The only thing in my life these days is my reputation. I can't afford to fritter that away. And at some point, you want to leave a healthy legacy behind. You know, so both my parents were doctors. They invested a lot of money on education, on orphanages, on organic farming, trying to follow in that footsteps. And the great thing is then I have a friend who runs my family office and uh, he, but, you know, he doesn't, uh, he thinks I'm, he doesn't believe in this startup space for multiple reasons because he thinks that a lot of what's happening in this space doesn't make any sense intuitively because right. people don't understand unit economics people don't understand profitability and honestly i don't understand uh, what other people see and stuff so it amazes me but having said that i think this way you pay your fees to get a ringside view and when you have skin in the game trust me you learn so quickly but the right. beauty is everything i read is now grist to my bill because you know you read about hr your entrepreneurs have hr problems you read about technology you need to understand is this guy pulling a fast one when he's talking about aiml or does he right. really know what he's talking about so it just makes a lot of sense you can put it all together so it's actually become a positive virtuous cycle so right right amazing amazing take on that all right so you are a big proponent of frugal innovation so i want to know you know Startup world is all fancy funding and all those things. Everybody, as you mentioned, the moment they have uh, uh, MVP, they want funds to come in, etc. How can entrepreneurs adopt frugality as part of their entrepreneurial journey? 
And I think given the fact that you're in India, it's actually be very easy to do because you see real life examples of Jagad every single day. Now, Jagad is usually on a small scale. It's just a question of a leap of imagination and faith and, uh, you know, taking it further. And I think, honestly, it's a question of focus. And I think you actually have the right to win if you start thinking frugally. Some of the tragedy is that a lot of the frugal innovation comes from places like Stanford, where they actually invent stuff for developing countries. And I think we should all be short that we live in this country. And then we need to depend on, uh, you know, Stanford guys who helicopter down, spend four weeks in Nepal or whatever else. And then use design thinking for, uh, you know, extremely poor countries. And why can't we do that? And I think that's what's important. You need that can-do mentality. And some of it is obviously ingrained because we are a poor country. We are a developing country. But I think if we play to our strengths and say we can come up with some of these things which other people can't. And I think the answer is simple. None of this is new. Uh, The simple answer is called bootstrapping. The trouble is bootstrapping is not fashionable because for whatever reason, I'm glad there are people like uh, Radha Kishan Damani of DMART. There are people like the Zerodha founders like Kamath. There are people like Zoho who are finally now, uh, you know, they don't pay for press releases, but the press thankfully is forced to cover them just because they've been so amazingly successful. And I think those are some of the success stories I have a lot of admiration for. But, you know, it takes them 20 years to, uh, become overnight successes and people forget some of that slogging. But I think the right. point is that's highly replicable and people right. should understand and take inspiration from that. Right, right. I think I think uh, try to model the best examples will be the right way to do it rather than going after these subtly funded startups or whatever. Uh, just uh, okay, moving on. Uh, Doc, I want to pick you know, I don't, I don't like the phrase "pick your brain," but again, I'm going to use it. I'm going to pick your brain on this one. What are your top three advice for entrepreneurs or innovators today? I would say first find an unmet need. Uh, okay. Unless you do that, you know, whatever. And the reality is, there are unmet needs around us all the time, right. and you've then got to come with that first. Uh, most people work the other way around. You know, they fall in love with the technology or they learn something new, which is cool. And then they say, okay, now how can I find someone else? So I honestly think this product market fit should be the other way around. It should be market product fit. That once you've identified your market, I think then come up with a product which meets that need. And honestly, I, I, I think there's so many advantages to being an entrepreneur in India. You can run stuff frugally. You have access, the advantage to everything which anyone sitting in Stanford has, except the money piece in the sense, you know, you have access to servers, you have access. You can hire people at half the cost or one third the cost. It gives you such a big edge. You have a huge domestic market. I mean, you know, any Israeli entrepreneur would get their left arm for that. Those poor guys don't have a choice. They're forced to go global because, you know, how many Israelis are there they can possibly sell to. You don't have any of those things. So, why don't you just focus on where you have the right to win rather than, you know, do what every other idiot is doing because that's what your story is covering or that's what Inc. 42 is or that's what you read about because all the time. So-and-so raised a million dollars. So-and-so raised five million dollars. Okay, usne paisa kamaya, to main bhi kama sakta hu. You know, all kinds of things, which honestly I believe are distractions. But right, right. All right. Uh, you know, the other thing, again, uh, coming back to the funding, you know, every entrepreneur is driven towards attracting funding nowadays. What advice would you like to give entrepreneurs about funding and pitching for the same? 
A, I think funding is a distraction. And B, your best source of funding is your customers. I think as long as you remember these two. And investors are fickle, huh? let me warn you. Today you happen to be hot, check, lick, denge. And then after a year, when you go back again for your second round, uh, you didn't meet your milestones, you didn't do this, someone else has gone ahead of you. You're not, you're not doing, you're no longer sexy or exciting. I'd rather put my money or I've you know, investors can give you 50 different reasons for saying no. And they do that very nicely and very kindly. And these entrepreneurs don't even realize uh, that, you know, they're being given the polite brush off, so to say. <laughs> so again, so many things. So I think depending on someone else's generosity is a terrible way of leading a life. Uh, it's, right. you know, it's like a nine to five boss. You keep your boss happy. You suck up to your boss. What do you do then? You became an entrepreneur because you wanted freedom. Now you're sucking up to the investor. You know, all that stuff. Come on. Is that what you wanted to do with your life? So again, you know, you've got to be in such a position where you have investors lining up and say, please, mera paisa lo. And I right. keep on telling people, the best way to get someone to give you money is to promise to double it for them. And they will give it to you if they can see that you've bootstrapped, you've utilized your own money frugally and sensibly. And if you can utilize your money frugally and sensibly, obviously you will utilize theirs as well. Right, right. I think I think that's the best way to put it, put that answer. Right. Uh, now let's let's talk about the guys who are frugal, who are bootstrapping their way, they are fighting it out every day. They are faced with competition with big fat pockets, you know. So what is what what do you think? What is your advice to them? How can they survive and thrive? Do you know the story of David and Goliath? Yes. Yeah. So either you you know you either use a victim mentality, I am nothing, this guy is so huge, Mera kya hone wala hai, main chota bachcha hu. he's eight feet tall, or you play to your strengths. I think it's completely up to you. So if you have a growth mindset, and there's so many clever things like guerrilla marketing. And, you know, I always say, be grateful. Those guys are creating the market for you. They're advertising on your behalf. They're creating awareness for you. And then what you do with it is up to you. So there'll always be people who will crib all their life about how someone else is born with a silver spoon and, you know, all kinds of things. And the other people will say, you know, I. I, so one thing is for sure. You can't control what's going to happen to you. None of us can. Uh, You can control your response to it. So, uh, and this is actually what is called rational emotive therapy, that uh, there is an incident. It's called ABC. There is an accident or incident or whatever else. And therefore, you believe that as a result of that, there are consequences. But between the A and the C, there is something called B. And the B is your belief about it. And if your belief is, hey, this is great, you know, you should be happy. Oh, so-and-so got funded for a million dollars or five million or 10 million. That actually validates the fact that you're in a hot space. And that therefore, at some point when these guys will run out of money because they're spending it like idiots, you know, you'll still be around and you can then take advantage of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Doc, you know, since you have been in entrepreneurship space for a long time, you know, and you have funded a lot of good startups, you know, how can entrepreneurs nurture their from their, from their business from an idea stage to at least to an MVP stage? Any steps you recommend for better results? So the one thing I recommend when someone asks me a question is read this book. Because no matter what I say, I think there's so many well-written books which will give you such a wealth of information which are written by experts who spend entire life, you know, either they teach in places, they teach entrepreneurship courses. So, you know, please feel free to reach out. We have websites which describe some of these books and such a such worthwhile investments. 
I think some people are allergic to reading, and I honestly can't understand. I think part of the problem is the way we're taught to read, is we treat every book as a textbook, which right. means you've got to start from page one, you've got to end at this thing, and even if you're completely bored out of your wits, you've got to finish it, no matter how painful it is. Which is, which is, it does a huge opportunity cost because you know once you're bored, you're not going to extract any information from it. So I think people need to change some of their reading habits. But honestly, the best thing is to whatever area that I can guarantee you there've been at least you know five great quality books. I usually tell people read at least two books on a particular topic. You're having problem recruiting people, read books on that. You're having problem raising funds, how to pitch, how to do anything. You know, pretty much someone's written a book on it. The advantage of reading two books is a, you're not slavishly dependent on one expert's advice. You understand that experts don't have the answers. They'll often say diametrically opposite things. Which means you need to apply your own head and then say, okay, this makes sense, doesn't make sense, or whatever else for you, and you will then make far fewer mistakes because they will describe in the form of stories, you know, what mistakes other people have made. And honestly, so that's that's what I would do. So I would say, listen to everything with a large pinch of salt. But sometimes it bothers me that people will watch YouTube videos and listen to podcasts and read blogs, but they won't invest in a book. So of course, all these things are great, but. Start with the book first. The very fact that someone has taken the time and trouble to write a book means they've edited it, they've polished it. It's you know, it's it's a solid work. Preferably read books which are written three to five years. Those are anti-fragile. They've stood the test of time. Right. And then once you've read that book, that's such a sound foundation for stuff for you to build on that then the blogs and the podcasts will make a lot of sense. Right, right, right. I expected a lot of. Practical wisdom from you on entrepreneurship, but this is on another level. You know, I have never thought about reading. I read a lot of books. I love reading. Uh, I have never thought about reading in this way. You know, getting two books on the same topic. You know, so that you get a comparative view of it. Very nice. Thank you so much for so that. I, you know, honestly, I think that's what I call parallel. This thing. I'll tell you why. An author will write a particular topic well. He may be. He may cover another topic really badly. When you right. read it from another book, or you, then your tube light will go up. So many good things happen, and this is well described. There's something you know. For example, cognitive sciences talks about you know how do you remember stuff, and one way to retain is to try recollect. So when you're reading the book, second book on the same topic, you're forced to recollect what you remembered, and then you're forced also. There's a lot of reinforcement because this right. second book is obviously going to cover the same stuff, but it's going to put it in slightly different format. So it just becomes a lot of Fun and you get a lot more tube-like moments by the time you read the second book. Absolutely, absolutely, I completely agree with that. All right, now let's. We spoke about funding. We spoke about the journey, etc., etc. Let's talk about some challenges. What are the, some of the top challenges, faith, according to you, faced by our entrepreneurs in the country, and how can they overcome the same? I think. Uh, I think the biggest problem is they expect instant gratification. Because they only read about the funding stories, you know, so and so raise five, and then they start fantasizing. Arey yar, yes, gade ko five million dollars di, uska product ko itna useless hai. Ye to VC sab beakkal hai, kuch samajhte nahi hai. Agar wo mujhko paisa de dete, to main aisa karta, waisa karta, all kind of stuff, and then they end up uh, just not doing anything. And I think you need to understand that the fact that he can raise money from a VC means obviously he's got a skill set which boss you lack. So then, rather than complain, "Bade baap ka beta hai, IIT se aaya, falana, dikana," you know, see what you can learn from him, and then uh, try to follow. And everyone has something to teach you. Some people will teach you what not to do, also, whatever right. it is. And then, you know, how you choose to do it. So I think, 
I think it's high time that people stopped feeling sorry for themselves. Honestly, that's all I would say. I would say, you know, count your blessings. Uh, this is the 75th birthday of our country. Uh, we're at a tipping point. I know we've been at a tipping point for 75 years, so <laughs> I can understand why people are a little cynical about that. But, you know, honestly, and I mean, the, the, the time is right. Uh, right. You you have you have lots of young people. The rest of the world is aging. A right. lot of the problems with the rest of the world are stuff we don't have. We now right. have access. You know, when I went to I, many many years ago, when I was a medical student, I'd gone to Harvard uh, just to see how different you know, medical education was in the U.S. And all our textbooks were written by all these Harvard professors. And you know, I studied from KEM, which is a government hospital, so very poorly equipped and so much, so lots of clinical workload. But you never had the equipment, it never worked properly, so many different things. So you had a major inferiority complex. So you would come, right. wow, look at these guys, their library is so huge. They actually have DVDs, uh, you know, they have ECG machines which work, they have CT scans, and you know, this is like a world-class center. You'd always feel sorry for yourself and feel like a second-class poor citizen. So many, and they treat you like one also. And I think that's completely changed now. I mean, you know, you have access to anything which any student in Stanford has. You actually have a huge edge. And it bothers me that people don't take it. Well, let me give you a simple example. If you have, you're a startup and you have 20 people working in your startup, why aren't all 20 of your employees tweeting every single day? They don't need to create their own tweets. You can hire someone. They they charge you peanuts. And, you know, you can use HubSpot or anything you wanted. What bothers me is that all these guys from overseas, they're great at polishing and presenting and they take advantage of the digital impact they can create. There's absolutely no reason why we can't. Actually, we have the right to win because a tweet from Stanford is equal to a tweet from, you know, I won't say Timbuktu, but, you know, (laughs) for that matter. doesn't matter. A tweet is a tweet. If you write your tweet well, you'll get the same one. But you're multiplying your tweet by 100 guys because they're retweeting or whatever else. So I think they just, you have a level playing field, let's be honest, in certain respects. In certain respects, sure, you have less money, but you know, it costs less money also. But so, so many things which, uh, I mean, I, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to use buzzwords like low hanging fruit because if you use a buzzword to subcut you like chamaktaya. This guy knows what he's talking about. He's using all the right jargon. (laughs) Be that as it may, uh, you know, I think the opportunities are enormous. And if you can sell in India, you can sell anywhere in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So now next question is, you know, you, you fund a lot of startups, so you are the best person to answer this. What are some of the traps that funded startups must be very careful of? I think you need to realize that once you've raised funds once, you will need to raise twice, you will need to raise twice. So then you're on the funding treadmill, whether you like it or not. So right. before you raise your first check, be very, very cognizant of this. And uh, investors are not always kind. You know, we may be forgiving once, but we will not be forgiving twice and three times and stuff. So uh, then you've got to worry about not only keeping your employees happy and your customers happy. You've got to worry about keeping your investors happy. And sometimes, uh, you know, interests don't align. So it's not always necessarily very easy. So I think that's one of the issues. But I think there's a lot of value which investors can add. And I think the most important thing is being picky and choosy about whom you take money from. And if you understand that you have someone who thinks the same way with you, the chemistry is right, who cares about doing things right, and ideally you want an investor who will help you to put your users first. The only way to put your users first is to put your employees first. 
So A, put your your team first. If you put your team first, all kinds of magical things will happen. Trust me about this. And right. that's that's why we say don't, you know, life is too short. Don't don't cheat, don't take shortcuts, whatever else. This is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You right. may make money, but even if you're making money, please for heaven's sake, make it the right way. People get jaded and disillusioned and they crave and they complain, but mera competitor aisa karta, risko cut data, risko. So I said, that's fine. Why are you letting that distract you? You know, you getting right. a good sleep, you do what's right. But honestly, words like ethics and stuff like that don't seem to be very fashionable or popular or whatever else these days. And uh, right. I think some things are timeless. They don't, they don't change. And I think right. if you stick to that, uh, I think you'll do well for yourself. You may not become a millionaire. I mean, I grant right. you that. At least you'll be able to sleep well at night. You'll be able to say, tell people that I did things correctly, which I think is far more important than anything else. Absolutely. Golden words there. Right. Now, now let's talk about Malpani Ventures a little bit. You know, so you support frugal innovation big time in this country. Is that a conscious decision? And what is the reason behind the sale? So, you know, like just like an entrepreneur has to decide where do I have the right to win? I have to decide where do I have the right to win? How do I have the right to win when I'm competing with VCs who have much more money than me to spend? So I'm very, very clear that this is what my thesis is. The good thing about my thesis is it's contrarian. It doesn't follow the rest of the pattern. So mostly the startups I fund will not be the startups which VCs are interested in right now. And you know, that's the beauty. That's the parallel between investing in the public market and investing in startups is value investors look for value. They don't get distracted by a price. So how do you find value when you can see value because you've done your due diligence, you understand fundamental value, but the rest of the market doesn't see it. That's your opportunity. And then you hope that at some point there will be a catalytic event. May happen, may not happen. None of us can predict that. But when it happens, the rest of the market will then see value in what you bought and then the price goes up. So this works in public markets on a fairly compressed time scale, but I've seen this play out so many times uh, that I think it'll happen in startups. It takes a little bit longer. So, uh, you know, and, and therefore I say whatever I do publicly. Having said all this, because I do stuff publicly, I also don't necessarily constrain myself in the sense I'm willing to run experiments. So uh, we do, you know, we, I make my rules, I break my rules. Uh, and as long as there's good reasons to do that. And I always tell people, you know what? The good thing about being an angel investor is that I have the easiest thing in the world. I just need to sign the check. I have a right. team which actually does all the hard work, the due diligence stuff. And trust me, analysts have a completely thankless job. Entrepreneurs hate them because, you know, they're always asking them difficult questions. So they have the ability to say no, but they don't have the ability to sign the check. And, uh, you know, they have a fiduciary responsibility to me. So if, they approve and then it goes down and I'll say, yeah, tu kya tha kya? why did you, you know, so many things. So they kind of get sandwiched uh, between uh, the entrepreneur and the investor, but you know, they still do a great job. So the point is that this is what we say. And whenever we say no, we tell the entrepreneur, these are the reasons. Push back. Explain right. to me why I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm happy to, you know, revisit. Or we're saying, look, you know, these are the reasons why we're going to pass on you. And they said, thank God, or who wants your money anyway? Or you're an idiot. Or you just stop big, but you pay to whatever, that's fine. But some of them will say, okay, fine, that makes sense. Let me come back to you after two months or three months or whatever else. So that's fine. We're not in a hurry to uh, spend the money either. So we're willing to be patient. Uh, I don't have to hit uh, sixes all the time, unlike VCs. So, so many things. So, like I said, I, we keep on playing to our strengths. This is patient capital, it's my money. Right, I don't right. do anything to anyone. 
as long as my wife allows me to indulge in my uh, which, which she's kind enough to uh, you know i don't need to worry or answer uh, answer to anyone else so will it play out will it not i don't know i think it's still early days but i love getting up in the morning you know because <laughs> i always tell people hanging out with young entrepreneurs makes me optimistic you know so right. their optimism rubs off onto me so great thing absolutely so you 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 have a reason to wake up in the morning and you sleep well at night two most important things yeah. absolutely the entrepreneurs may not always sleep well at night <laughs> And that's part of their job description, right? <laughs> right, right. All right. So, you know, if, Doc, if I can ask you, you know, can you share a couple of startups that Malpani Ventures and yourself are extremely proud of? So let me be upfront. I have a soft corner for educational startups. I have a soft corner for social impact. And the two which I particularly like, right. uh, one is called Multibhashi. It's run by Anuradha Agarwal, uh, with, you know, full right. marks, a woman entrepreneur, comes from a small town, uh, has done this brilliant. She's even more frugal than I am, if that's possible. It just amazes me. And, you know, being such a great leader, has groomed the next, uh, this thing. So I find her and I, I keep on telling her, my problem is I can't be objective with you because I think you've just done such a great job that, you know, uh, it's, and, and part of it is she's changed the way I benchmark other entrepreneurs. You know, wow. everyone has to meet that standard. So it's kind of hard to get people like her so that that's one the other one i have a soft corner for is a company called buybox it's run by sandeep Senan, who is an amazingly brilliant guy you know cares about kids cares about tinkering getting kids to hands-on they're one of the biggest suppliers for other tinkering labs for example all over the country now none of these are necessarily financial successes and like i said i'm perfectly okay in my head i can divorce the two and i think the potential impact they can make even if they're sustainable if they're scalable Will they reach a tipping point? I don't know. You know, will they be? I, I honestly don't know. But I think, you know, they follow the right process. Outcomes, I'm okay with. I'm fairly forgiving about outcome. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with being an IVF doctor. No matter how good an IVF doctor I am, there is no certainty that women will get pregnant in that IVF cycle. Not for lack of trying. Not for my lack of professional expertise. Not for my lack of caring. It's just that human reproduction is notoriously inefficient. In reality, it takes even fertile couples time to make a baby. And, you know, IVF increases that efficiency, but you're still left with that. And the reality is startups are complex adaptive systems. There are 50 things which can go wrong, which are completely outside an entrepreneur's control. So to that extent, I'm much more forgiving about, yes, did you do things right? Did you dot the I's, cross the T? It didn't work. Fair enough. You know, did we learn something from this? Make sure we don't make the same mistakes. Did you share publicly? Did you teach other people what mistakes you made so that they won't make the same mistakes? Stuff like that. So we'll right, see. Right. Amazing way you drew a parallel between those two worlds, you know, IVF and entrepreneurship. But I live I live in both those worlds all the time. You know, so like I counsel IVF patients after a failed IVF cycle. I need to counsel entrepreneurs also when things don't work out. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, now, another interesting facet about you is you are a noted philanthropist. So can you share some information or throw some light on your philanthropic activities? So, you know, just like I tell people, I'm a second generation doctor. Both my parents were doctor. I'm also a second generation philanthropist. You know, so my dad started an orphanage in Virar, which still runs, uh, started an organic farm, multiple things. So again, you try to follow in the footsteps. I'm a big believer in using technology because obviously that's the edge which we have and 
uh, as I said before, technologies become now easily available no matter where in the world. So let's take advantage right. of that. And equally, I'm a big believer in education. Uh, I don't know whether you know about the Baiju stories and a lot of people say, why the hell do you care? You're a doctor. Why does right. any of this matter to you? Uh, you know, but I care about the next generation. You know, my kids have turned out very well. Uh, I've been very fortunate. I think education has made a big difference. Uh, both my parents came from small towns. You know, education made a big difference, which is why they came to Bombay and made a difference. And I think education is the one thing which is the magic sauce. But right. really, what we provide these days isn't. Whether you talk about the schooling system, the cramming, the roting, uh, you know, the exam marks, the tuition. And I was very hopeful about Baiju's, quite frankly. Let me tell you honestly. Right. I said, you know, online is such a great way of reaching out to anyone and everyone. But I, you know, I think they lost the plot along the way. They're so focused on making money that they put profits over learning. And once right. you start doing that, I mean, then you start using, you know, all kinds of sleazy sales tactics. You, you advertise, you make false claims. At some point, you don't even care about the students or whatever happens. Pesa milgia, you know, move on. Then you use all kinds of doggy shortcuts, all of which I've documented, for which, of course, I'm paying the price because they're suing me in uh, Delhi High Court. Anyway, we'll see how some of that happens. But at some point, people said, to baate to badi karta hai about Baiju's ye galat karta hai ye. What is the right way? What is the right way of doing it? Can you provide an alternative? So I said, right. okay, you know, if I don't provide the alternative or at least take the attempt, I'm not saying I'm going to be successful. But that's, right. and the reality is we have successful models like Khan Academy. So one of right. the things we're trying to do is how do we put Khan Academy on steroids? And to give you an example, we've, we've created, you know, we have three initiatives which I'm funding and I'm, I'm actually looking for people to give more money to. So actually tweet, you know, please identify people. And I said, was grant to lele there's no strings attached because again these are different hats if i'm going to give you money as an investor then i'm going to ask you whatever it is social impact anything else i'm going to look for a return i actually think social impact guys will give me a better return because yeah, i am providing them the financial capital as a catalyst but i think they have great human capital because the kind of employees they attract care about the mission and the purpose they don't go away because someone gives them 10 percent and 20 percent more Plus, right. they have social capital. Customers have a soft corner for people who are doing good things. Anyway, right. like I said, that's a thesis. Hasn't We'll see how well that works out. But to come back, so for example, we have a site called beyondexams.org. So we right. said there's such a wealth of educational content on YouTube. You know, 100 times bigger and better than what Baiju's has. Right. Different right. languages, you know, fresh content every day. So many different things, so many different formats. Why are we using the same boring format? You know, why not? But there's so much distracting content. So how do we remove the distracting content and, you know, make it student friendly? So that's one thing we've tried. I'm a big believer in comics. So, uh, you know, we have another site called learnwithcomics.org. So we have this clever little hack that we can convert videos into comics. And we're teaching teachers how to do that. We're teaching students how to do that. So we want to collaborate. So keep on plugging away. And, you know, both of these things are run by very clever guys who believe and care about students and are extremely frugal. You know, so we'll see what happens. One of the initiatives we're doing in our orphanage is something called learning to earn. That, you know, you take kids uh, and can you teach them skills, which will, you know, make them uh, employment uh, worthy. So we'll see, you know, multiple experiments. We'll see how some of this works. Uh, but I always tell people, if I don't experiment, who will? <laughs> That's nice. Do your bit. Amazing. Amazing, doctor. I'm so happy to hear all these. I have, I have checked out beyond exams. It's, it works like charm. Oh, it is, okay. 
I search, I search for the I'm topic. Pankaj will be happy. Pankaj will be happy. <laughs> you know what? Why don't I arm twist you and why don't I say, why don't you make a course on 50 marketing on, because the reality is when we're doing beyond exams, we're not just restricting ourselves to K to 12. We're restricting ourselves to everyone. So, you Absolutely. know, we'd love it if you put together, uh, we're looking for curators, we're looking for people because we obviously don't have it. We're providing a tool or a platform and we say, you know, Vivek, Teach us how to be a thrifty marketer. There's tons of great content on YouTube. You already know where that is and what that is. So annotate right. it, share a course. So we'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll be more than happy to do that. All right. My final question, which I ask every guest who comes here, because this show started during COVID. How has COVID-19 impacted you, uh, Marpani Ventures, and how is 2021 going so far? Uh, so again, multiple ways of answering that question. In one sense, like I said, because the money which comes to me for startup investing comes from the listed market, which is where most of my wealth is. And because the listed markets have gone up like crazy for reasons I can't understand. I don't even pretend to understand. In a way, I now have a lot more money to invest in startups. <laughs> so to that extent, I'm quite okay. Now, some of the startups have done exceptionally well. Some of them, but that's... That's the nature of the beast. You know, it could have been COVID. It could have been some other crisis, whatever else. But the ones which have survived, uh, I think I've done a great job. Because really, after you hit rock bottom, where can you go? You can only go up. So in a way, I think, uh, you know, been a valuable learning experience. I think I've also learned uh, how amazingly it is easy for the government to manipulate people. Uh, it bothers me a little bit. You know, you can make people do all kinds of things when you scare them and you tell them right. and all kinds of things. So again, that amuses me a little bit at some point. I'm very detached. You know, at some point, I'm a doctor. So I can understand right. the truth. I can understand when people are putting a spin on it. And the reality is a lot of the science has been sold out either because of commercial reasons, because of pharma pushing all this right. stuff or because of political reasons, because, you know, politicians want to be seen as hey, you know, we did the right thing for you or whatever else. And they can't accept the fact that they kept, they messed up, that they goofed, that the models right. are all flawed, that everything else, they cover all that stuff up. So right. it's like a conspiracy of silence, whether it's the media, whether it's, I find that amusing now. Absolutely. It bothers me sometimes, but you know, what can you do? Right, right. Uh, I'm glad that you're safe and sound uh, yes. during this crisis. Uh, and uh, thank you so much, Doc. I think we have come to an end of the discussion. I loved every minute of it. And thank you so much for taking time out today. No, no, thank you so much for talking to me, Vivek. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this. And it's always fun having conversations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. All right. So the, that was Dr. Malpani. I love him. He is amazing. You should check him out on Twitter, especially if you don't have time to read his blog. He writes a lot of good blogs as well. Go follow him on Twitter. And thank you so much. If you have tuned in today, this video will be up on YouTube tomorrow or day after. Uh, please watch it and share it with your entrepreneur friends. And I will be back next week with another amazing guest. Happy weekend. Stay safe. Uh, corona is still here. <laughs> and uh, see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thrifty Marketer Podcast. For more exciting episodes like these, please follow the Thrifty Marketer Podcast today. Now available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. See you next episode.